welcome to the beach in Cannes. We are literally sat on the beach bar, which is you know amazing. But well, let's uh, let's quickly raffle around. Uh, my name's Ben Smith. I'm from Wireless Worker. Who the hell are you? I'm Ray Blanford, and I'm from All About Symbian. Are, are you really still All About Symbian? For the time being, but uh, watch your space. And I'm Ewan McLeod. I'm from Mobile Industry Review. And Ewan, it's your fault we're here in Cannes. I mean, I say fault because we are sitting on a beach bar in the glorious sunshine. Uh, why, why are we here? And this lovely, beautiful blue sea as well. Amazing. I'm going to take a picture and put it up with this podcast. Good idea, good idea. Well, we are here at the guests of Read Medem. Read Medem are the organisers of MIP TV, which is the world's largest entertainment uh, uh, content rights swapping event uh, within MIP TV, which attracts about 12,000 uh, attendees down to Cannes every year. They have added a new sex, uh, sex segment called uh, Connected Creativity, which is exploring the digital connected elements of uh, television and entertainment. Uh, and we are here to uh, soak up the atmosphere, uh, participate in some of the panels, and uh, and I, actually I was doing a lot of video. Um, uh, interviews which you'll see published um, uh, across the MIP TV site and uh, we're here just to see what's going on in the television marketplace which is quite different obviously from the mobile marketplace. Yeah Rafe it's been really strange not to be at like a mobile event isn't it because these people they use mobile but they don't they're not excited by it in the way that we are. No they don't get excited about the technology it's just uh, it's something that happens to be there and that's actually been for me one of the biggest insights of this conference uh, in that it's quite useful to step outside the mobile industry bubble and see how other people observe it. Because although we might, as a group here, and probably most of the people listening to this regard, mobile as a future digital heartbeat and where everything's going to go, that's definitely not the case here. And so, you know, in between the beaches and the champagne and, you know, the, the limousines <laughs> and, you know, the easy living we've been having, we have actually been attending some, some really interesting sessions. And we've just come back from... Um, blogger roundup haven't we where basically we asked all the social media commentators all the bloggers to give their opinion of the event and a really good conversation actually interestingly sort of outsiders looking in so why don't we just quickly recap that for for people who are listening and uh ewan why don't you kick off what was the thing that stood out for you about this conference i think a couple of things one of the key things here is when we say mobile or mobile as the americans here pronounce it uh they mean iphone Right, so that, that's quite, I mean, the iPhone, maybe Android, but that's really quite a, um, uh, a key thing that, that just it continues to surprise me that, that there's not much um, outside the Hollywood bubble, um, not much going on in the mind in terms of Nokia, BlackBerry, or Samsung or, or the like. I think that's a little unfair because I think some of them were aware of others, uh, but it did, did depend on their geography. But what right. was true... I actually thought what came across quite strongly for me was tablets were actually stronger than mobile, and the you know mm. the iPad yes. is the exemplar of that. And it's almost as if they're more comfortable with tablets because of the size. It's almost closer to the TV, and it's it, it did strike me sometimes that well yes tablets are going to get used more partly because of the people that buy tablets are more likely to watch that kind of content and there was still an awareness of mobile that needs to be better appreciated and it's easy to say that from a mobile perspective but I do think there's a, a strong argument to be made there and I think my, my key takeaway was that these, these guys I mean I saw John M. Chu the director from, uh, who, who did the, the recent Bieber uh, film. I, I, you don't need to explain that. I'm sure everybody listening knows exactly who Justin Bieber is and have watched the film several times over. I am a Bieber. Well, no, I'm not really. Yeah. Uh, and what what the, what he was uh, he was talking about how uh, he managed uh, his movie, created the movie, um, 
through a whole host of interactivity with Justin Bieber's fans. And not one point did he talk about the, the medium. Uh, he didn't mention mobile. Mobile was inferred, but he didn't ever mention mobile or Twitter or how it happened. It's just a layer above that he and that this industry seems to be operating on. So is it because he didn't care about mobile or just because he was more interested in, in what he did with it? Uh, yeah, I think he was just like, yeah, I want the fans to interact. I want to interact with the fans and I'll do it. Uh, maybe I'm, I'll use Facebook. He might name Facebook or he might name Twitter. But how you do it, I don't think he cares. It, it was just an enabler for interactivity. And I think Trump was one that definitely more forward thinking. I think it's fair to say that he was kind of an edge case. And it was the interactivity that gets talked about a lot in TV. And it's not the simple, you know, interacting when the broadcast is happening. He was actually more interested in the interactivity during the production process. Mm, mm. So one of the things he did, I mean, you and you, you watch this, yeah. it was actually having um, uh, footage edit, edited into the process later on of people actually watching the original cut of the film. And he also <laughs> used Twitter when shooting yeah. scenes, didn't that, he? That's right. So they, um, they wanted to, he, he described how they wanted to film fans... Um, uh, uh, getting ready for the actual stadium show. So as as you're going up in town in New York, for example, when you're walking toward the the event, and he, they put a tweet out saying, "Listen, if you're going to the event tonight, please would you wear purple, and would you also text us your cross street about where you're going to be around about this time? Because we've got a helicopter and we want to do a flyby." And the fans played ball, and they, yeah. they, they then appeared in the film. Yeah, and he, he did a similar thing with bring a, bring a glow stick along, so he can show it. So it was almost crafting the shots, but then crowdsourcing the cinematography to get it looking good, to get it looking part of the film. So a very clever way of constructing, with the help of the fan base, what the film was going to look like, but still retaining quite a strong element of editorial control, if you like, mm. by energising the fan base, so it would almost be sheep-like and sort of extras without any pay so we're going to get <laughs> letters in from Justin Bieber fans I go, I'm not a sheep yeah. um, so okay I mean that's all cool but what's that got to do with mobile I mean what's that what's going to happen as a result of that well I think it, it's, it's what, what I, I, I tend to talk about in terms of things being frictionless and easy and the reason iPhone and to some extent Android is, has been very successful in some segments of the, uh, of the planet is just because it's easy, it's simple, it works and this is when you see this director um, uh, we were talking about has jumped into using these kind of technologies and if you don't have a handset that, um, that does this you're outside the, the, um, the door you have, you're, you're looking in so I, what, what I would like to know, by the way, is of all these Justin Bieber fans, I wonder how many of them were prompted to upgrade or to change their handsets or, or change their mobile usage because they've got all of their friends may, you know, are interacting with, with Bieber and you need to have a particular you know, a data plan, a decent handset to be able to do these kind of things. Yeah, I think the relevance also for the mobile industry here is actually what we're seeing because largely of digital content, we're seeing a convergence between TV industry and mobile and others as well and broadcast and on demand, whichever way you want to slice it. Uh, and mobile is going to be the predominant device form factor. Now we can talk about that back and forth, but it was also the idea of the second screen you know, you wouldn't watch just one screen. You'd have a second screen either for watching an additional channel or interactive content. But there was a very interesting discussion, I thought, about what was the primary screen. And I think, Ben, you, you know, you well, came up with the ultimate soundbite here. So let's just back up, because second screen is this term that everyone throws around at conferences like this. But I think quite a lot of people won't have heard of it. And it took me a while to understand. So, Rafe, what, what, does, what, are the, what generally do people mean by second screen? Well, that means you've got... Uh, 
you know, you're watching a TV and then you've got a tablet or a phone in front of you, which you're using at the same time. And so it's, you know, the stats about things like 77% of people in the US do something else while watching TV. Now that might be using a laptop or tablet or phone. And so it's this idea of more than one, your attention on more than one thing at the same time. And at that session we were talking it's interesting isn't it because we were all in barcelona a few months ago at the mobile world congress um you know very very mobile centric looking at telecoms and operators and everything and everyone i think in the telecoms industry the mobile industry thinks the second screen is the telly don't they they think okay. it's it back up you and well i'm just i think that's an interesting point i always thought mobile was the third screen so what's the third hang on a minute so yeah. if if TV and the thing on my lap are the two screens. Where what, does the third screen What about come? your desktop computer? I mean, I think that's that was where a se- the that idea... was a second screen, right? So that TV was... was one. Yeah, there's there's cross concepts here. The yeah. third yeah. screen of one was TV, second was PC, third was mobile, um, and this second screen definition is actually crossing over, but means completely different things, and it's to do with the way you're watching it right. rather than a way oh, you I, consume I, yeah, it. Yeah, what, so yeah, oh, it's yeah. like number one is like the number of screens in your life, and the other one is the number of screens at or any given time attention yeah yeah because we said that for example second screen in mobile people think that like all the attention's being given to the mobile because you're interacting with that and the telly's on in the background but here all the media people think that you're watching the tv and then you might quickly switch over to you know your second screen your laptop or your ipad or right. some phone in order to then do some interactive stuff with the tv show it's really interesting to see how everyone kind of thinks their industry's first yeah <laughs> and, and that was one of the themes that came out for me was there's a lot of talk about this yet the practicalities haven't always been worked out i mean there is discussion of it um, but the uh, the general consensus or the general thing I, I got from it was actually they operated in isolation you know Milo was, mobile was solarized into mobisodes or specifically for interacting with text voting or maybe Twitter yeah. and TV was you know obviously solarized or anything. and the reality is they need to be integrated to get the kind of the experiences that we see in the concept films that is gonna actually be the thing that saves both industries in a sense okay so we talked about second screening, and I mean, wow, we're we're well into the jargon now. Let's, let's just fall back, uh, Rafe. What was what was your sort of observation, your thing of the conference? Ooh, that's a great question. Difficult to pick out. He one says stalling. He says stalling. I've got one for Go you. Ahead, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, just a little while ago, we did a, a summary blogger summary crowdsourced summary thing, and. Um, on on that, I asked a question to the panel, and Rafe was was there, and uh, I said, "What what what innovation? What what things have you been seeing?" And Rafe started talking about the crowdsourcing of or crowdfunding of television shows. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so the idea behind this was that you know, traditionally, when you have TV shows, it's all done through your network broadcaster, that kind of thing. And you know, I, I, the way to explain it most simply is your favourite TV series get cancelled. Um, and everyone's up in arms about it. What if you could get together in a group collective in some way and actually pay for the next season of that TV show? Yeah. So in Ewan's case, he would want to pay for the next season of Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, but we can't help him in his poor taste, we, we, can we? No, we, we can't. But, you uh, know, universe, that's been that, canned. That's, that's true. But the, it was using these, the, the idea would be to use these 
engaged, energised fans which are appearing on Facebook in their thousands. And, you know, they already do it. They send in peanuts to save Jericho and various other shows have had similar... Fast Forward is another one. Absolutely. The event. What was it? Roswell, back in my youth, it was sending in Tabasco sauce packets to one of the uh, broadcasters to save that show. What if rather than doing that, you could actually say, I'm going to plonk down 10 quid for the next season? So it was just a sort of... It was actually throw out what could be the next disruptive thing. And that was... I mean, it's not one thing I drew out of the conference, but it was certainly one of the ideas. But that's not mobile, though, is it? I mean, I'm I'm interested to see how how mobile makes that happen. I mean, we Mm. because we keep talking about all these, you know, connected media, connected experiences. I mean, the whole session's been called connected creativity, hasn't it? Yes. Yes. is it, is, are we saying now that mobile is, you know, it's not about voice, it's not about talking, it's just about effectively, you know, a, a, a connection in your hand and then it enables all of this stuff? Well, know? OK, let me answer, uh, answer that with a question. When I download uh, an episode of Stargate Universe onto my iPhone and then sit in the train watching it, is that a mobile experience? doesn't matter isn't it that's the i don't know well, that's, that... well, well i think to answer your your question more generally ben you know said what was the, yeah. the theme and actually what struck me um was the idea that uh content consumption was not in one device it wasn't on the tv there was a great awareness that you wanted to consume content across multiple devices and you know mobile is many things to many people but here it was about how can you consume the content and then make money from it yeah um, and there were some interesting business models which I think are worth talking about you know, from some of the innovation things we saw. Uh, but from a general point of view, it was the idea that you might watch it on the TV, but then you might also want to stream it to your phone or stream it to your tablet. And there was an implicit acknowledgement that mobile would probably be a very important mechanism for doing that. And people in the mobile industry would probably say, actually, the TV will turn into basically a dumb screen that you just plug your phone into. I don't think the TV industry has quite thought that radically about it, but there was, you know, if you talk to people in the corridors and the back rooms, there was that, you know, implicit thing that mobile could well take over as that heartbeat device. Okay, so this is a good opportunity to talk about Tommy Ahonan, mm. Ewan. Um, now, Tommy spoke uh, first day, didn't he? Yes, uh, he did a, very early a, on. a, a keynote uh, address. Well, let's back up a bit. Yes. Who's Tommy Ahonan? Uh, Tommy Ahonan is a, uh, a mobile. I, thought, I think it's fair to say he's a mobile personality, uh, but also a mobile consultant. He does a lot of work for most of the operators and, and some of the, the, the companies uh, around that industry, helping uh, advise them on strategy. He's also a multi-multi-multi-book author. I think he's got 12, 11 or 12 books out. Uh, no, no, hold on a minute. That, 17, seven, I think. 17? Yeah. All right, very impressive. Um, and he, he is, I think it's fair to say, if you've seen Tommy speak, you know, he's quite quite a draw. Um, and he's a little bit marmite. Some people don't like... Uh, he, he makes the Energizer bunny look like a limp lettuce. <laughs> well, he did say he was highly caffeinated uh, yes. that day and, and, and jet-lagged as well. But um, I, I like Tommy's delivery. I also like the fact that he is very straightforward. Some people don't like how he focuses on the massive, massive potential and current potential of SMS, of MMS and the like. These are, these are dirty words now, I think, in, in, in many mobile circles. OK, so, so what, was he, what was he saying then? Because I missed, I missed that session. Right, yeah. Tommy always seems to have quite like a controversial view, you know. Well, he shocked the hell out of people, actually. Um, a lot of, I was watching the audience and with some of his points. Um, I mean, his, his two key messages were essentially around the size of mobile as a segment, you know, talking about TV, 1.2 billion people or users, 
versus mobile, which was 5.2 billion. And then the sort of analog to that was how do you approach those mobile users? And he said, which I think is the controversial bit from a mobile point of view, uh, don't just think about smartphones and apps because that's only 18% of the addressable mobile market. Mm. Instead, you need to think about SMS because that's 4.2 billion people or MMS, which is 2.4 billion people. But really, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I, Tommy's a nice guy, but we're talking about SMS here. I mean, if you've got a dumb phone mm. and all you're doing is sending SMS and making voice calls, are you really wanting to do all the kind of cool, you know, getting involved in films, interactive stuff that we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a controversial message because it doesn't pay any... The raw numbers don't look at attention data and that kind of thing. However, you know, his answer to this is it's the way you can make money now apps as we all know have a monetization issue at the moment so we're talking five years ten years for apps whatever it happens to be and he was talking about some examples for sms and ms i mean you and i think you remember a good one for china yeah for so he, he was and this people were actually open-mouthed at this and he, he said to uh one newspaper in china uh 39 of the readers the readership have subscribed to get an MMS that sends them two headlines of, for the next day, the upcoming uh, headlines. Um, and when he said that figure, a lot of people were going, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" So, so say that again. Thirty-nine percent. Oh, so all right, forty percent of a uh, of a, the readership yeah. of a newspaper in China receive the upcoming headlines, so tomorrow's headlines yeah. in an MMS today. That's pretty amazing because I mean I've never heard. And, anyone... uh, that's why they're paying for it as well. That's it. That's that's you know um, revenue coming into the newspaper. Okay. So are we saying because so basically we're saying like MMS and SMS they actually do some pretty rich meat sort of interactive stuff. It doesn't matter. It's not pretty. Yeah. Well, he, well, he shocked shocked another part of the audience when he said, right, okay, you know American Idol, all the this, uh, the SMS voting, the revenue there, half a billion dollars last year. So these are the kind of these are the kind of numbers that make business people stand up and go, "Wow, yeah, I want yes, to slice yes, that." Yeah, 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 this is money, and I I think part of this. I mean, we see the SMS voting thing in the Western markets very much so, and I think everyone can see where SMS does have potential, and it was very much the money message, but it does vary a lot by markets, and I think you we should say in all of this, it's always easy to come up with one case study. Yeah, how widely it applies is something that sometimes is better left to further speculation. But to give another example. In the Indian market, a third of all SMS text messages aren't person-to-person, which is how we traditionally think of them. Yeah. They're actually about um, broadcasting data of some kind or another, now be that news, price data, or something else. And so it is important to remember that actually it's S- SMS and MMS are a content distribution mechanism that work now for 80% of all mobile phones anywhere on the planet. Whereas the apps and the smartphone stuff, which we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about, actually only apply to a relatively small thing. And in terms of distribution, in terms of content, numbers, scale really does count. So that's, that's absolutely amazing then. And it's interesting that both those examples come from India and China, respectively, where there are huge, huge numbers of consumers. And so what, they, you know, what those consumers like and what they do has almost you know, far more significant impact than what you like in the UK or mm-hmm. North America, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So, what, is, what, what was sort of Tommy's conclusion about this? Is he saying don't bother with smartphones? I think he said by all means. Well, in fact, he did say, look, smartphones, apps, I love it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing even more innovation there. But in five years' time, you know, that will be relevant in terms of revenue. Right now, you can make a ton of revenue from SMS and MMS. That was his message. Yeah, he, he said the innovation would happen in smartphones and apps, and so that was important to pay attention to. 
but it was almost a appeal to the lowest common denominator, a bit like the mobile web message versus apps as well. That you know, if you go for this, you can reach more people, and that it was basically dollar signs going ding in people's eyes. Yeah. Well, he was giving some examples whereby. Um, if you want, and I, I'm not too sure how I react to this myself, but if you want to hear the storyline uh, or find out the storyline of a particular soap, you can actually, uh, you know, you get sent the, the output in a premium SMS. Is it Hollyoaks or somewhere you give an example? Well, it was Textastyle, which is, I think, again, right, yeah, uh, that's in the Philippines. Um, and it was basically the idea that you could send a question and get it personally answered by the star. And for that week, they would guarantee that the star would answer it. And it was a way of building up the fan base. And of course, the caveats then came in that actually most of the questions are answered by a personal assistant and only the really funky questions go through to the star. But each of these questions they can charge a dollar for and gets into sort of the astroturfing issues. Mm. Nonetheless, this, you know, if you can do it in a believable and an honest way, there's certainly revenue potential there. Yes. I mean, he did then talk about... Um, how in the Japanese market there's a game show which is basically a version of who wants to be a millionaire, i.e. you get eliminated for answering a question wrong but everyone gets to play along by sending in the answer via text or via a uh, smartphone mm. application um, and it's sort of, you can actually get into the TV programme because you can programme in your avatar and that will then appear on the TV screen so it's a sort of mass participatory television through the medium of mobile <laughs>